This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly is brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse, along with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland, where the Guardians are hosting the St. Louis Cardinals this weekend. Night game Saturday night at 7.15. Day baseball on Sunday, a 141st pitch, if you want to catch the tail end of the homestand. Some seats still available, although a very good crowd on Friday night and a big house expected on Saturday as well, and a good crowd on Sunday too, but again, still some seats available for the weekend. Coming up in a little bit on our show today, we'll have a, a weekly farm report from Rob Serfolio, the Director of Player Development. He'll focus in on single-A Lynchburg. We'll also hear from starting pitcher Hunter Gaddis, who earned his first major league win earlier this week, and utility man Gabriel Arias, who has come on at the plate playing a variety of positions. But first, a look at the week gone by, and on Monday, the White Sox were in town. The Guardians looking to get off to a hot start on the homestand after a difficult road swing, and they got an early defensive boost in the first inning from Mike Zanino. Now the 1-0. Runner takes off, pitch inside. Zanino throw to second, head first slide, and he is out at second. Kind of a delayed call by Chad Fairchild, but Mike Zanino throws out Luis Robert. First time he's been caught stealing this year. Perfect throw by Zanino, and the tag made by the shortstop, Ahmed Rosario. Then in the second, the Guardians got on the scoreboard with a little help from the White Sox. And the 2-0 pitch to Straw. Off the glove and all the way to the backstop and in to score Zarius. Grandol reached to his right, and the pitch went off his glove to the backstop. And the Guardians get a gift. And they lead it one to nothing here in the second inning, and that is going to be scored a wild pitch. Meanwhile, on the mound for the Guardians, Hunter Gaddis looked as good as we've seen him. The dangerous Luis Robert, and this is the last guy, kind of like Pete Alonso with the Mets, that you want to see at the plate with a chance to do damage as the set by Hunter Gaddis and the pitch. Swung on, skied in the air, right side. Jimenez, the second baseman, moving toward first, makes the catch on that sky-high pop. And Gaddis has worked out of it here in the sixth against the top of the order, and it stays 1-0 Cleveland in the middle of inning number six. The Sox were threatening in the seventh with 
a couple of men in scoring position, but Nick Sandlin came on out of the Guardians' pen, trying to hang on to the lead. The 1-0. He swings and bloops one to the second baseman, caught by Jimenez, and Sandlin with a jam job to get Berger. It's stretch time at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. Cleveland won, Chicago nothing. And then in the bottom of the seventh inning, Mike Zanino stepped in with two outs and a runner aboard. Santos lets it fly, and Zanino swings and hits it high and deep to right. Back is Frazier on the track at the wall. He leaps, and this ball is gone! Mike Zanino with an opposite field two-run home run to right. And the Guardians have a 3-0 lead. How good do you think that jog felt for Mike Zanino in a 1-for-31 slide? And he stayed on it and drove it the other way. A two-out, two-run home run to right for Mike Zanino. In the ninth, Emmanuel Classe was on and looked like a man on a mission. The next delivery. Swing and a line shot to center, but right there to make the catch a straw. Ball game. And the Guardians get a shutout and a three-hit shutout as Hunter Gaddis pitches his finest game in his young Major League career. He gets his first Major League win. Emmanuel Classe gets his Major League leading 16th save. And Mike Zanino may have had his best game as a Guardian, throwing out a runner and hitting a two-run home run tonight in the seventh inning to give Cleveland a little bit of a cushion. And the Guardians win game one of this homestand, three to nothing over the White Sox. Unfortunately, they couldn't carry over that momentum to the game on Tuesday night, a four to two White Sox win, and the White Sox won the series with a six nothing shutout victory on Wednesday afternoon. Thursday was an off day for the Guardians, and Friday night, the Cardinals came to town. Good pitchers duel between Matt Libertor and Shane Bieber as the game stayed scoreless through four and a half innings. But in the bottom of the fifth, Guardians got it going with the bases loaded and Stephen Kwan at the plate. It's a payoff pitch and it's on its way. Swung on line, base hit left field. Jimenez will score. Zanino holds it third and the Guardians are on the board on the RBI single from Stephen Kwan. one nothing Cleveland. They just slapped it past the third baseman, Arenado, for RBI number 15. And with Liberdor allowing a run and in trouble with the bases loaded and nobody out, the Cardinals start to get some activity going in their pen. So they had the one run, and the big challenge offensively this season has been putting up crooked numbers in really good scoring opportunities. Bases loaded still, a run in. Ahmed Rosario at the plate, and he would take care of business. The pitch to Rosario, swung on, line drive, base hit down the left field line. Up against the wall it goes. One run is in. Straw has scored. Here comes Quan. Rosario's cleared the bases. A three-run double for Ahmed Rosario. And there's the big inning for the Guardians. 4-0 Cleveland. St. Louis got back into it with a run in the sixth and another in the seventh to make it 4-2 to two Cleveland. And then some good defense in the eighth kept the Guardians in front. Now the 2-1 delivery. Swung on. This is hit in the air to the left and deep. Back is Quan Track. Wall jumps. He made the catch! 
He fell to the track and hung on. Quan timed that perfectly. Kept going back, and just as he got to the wall, he leaped, crashed into the wall, fell to the ground, and hung on. Heck of a play by Quan, taking extra bases away from Nolan Arenado. Now the 1-0 to DeYoung. He chops one towards short. Ramirez cuts in front, goes to second one. Jimenez turns it. How about that? Jose cut in front of Rosario at short, and that's what enabled Cleveland to turn the double play. And De Los Santos works out of it, and the Guardians stay on top 4-2. to two. But the Cardinals kept battling in the night. They scored a run on a Lars Newtbar double. That made it a one-run ball game, but Emmanuel Classe dug deep, and he found a way to get the job done. Again, the payoff delivery. Ball. No! Strike three called! Oh, wow! A delayed call by Chris Guccione. Gorman screaming at the home plate umpire as he was headed to first ball game. Chris Guccione said, you know what? Dollar Dogs, T-shirt, fireworks. I want to be part of the action. And that's how it ends. Cleveland hangs on to beat St. Louis 4-3. to three. So the Guardians will try and keep it going on Saturday night against the Cardinals and also on Sunday afternoon to wrap up the homestand. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll hear from Hunter Gaddis and Gabriel Arias. That's next on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. We're recording this progressive commercial on a real boat to let people know that when you bundle your home, boat, and other vehicles... What was that, boat? Progressive saves you money, Jamie. Why are we doing this on a boat? We were going for authenticity. We're going to the city? Authenticity. You mean Atlantic City? But we're not in the Atlantic. Are we? Bundle your home and other vehicles with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. And here's Hunter Gaddis with a career-best six innings and counting. He deals, and the pitch hit in the air. Third base side foul. Arias has plenty of room. What an inning for Hunter Gaddis. He had an eight-pitch inning. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly right here on the Guardians Radio Network. And a beautiful weekend here on this Memorial Day weekend. Great baseball weather. Some good baseball on tap at Progressive Field downtown. And some good baseball pitched by Hunter Gaddis earlier this week. He'll start on Sunday His last start came on Monday, and he was outstanding, notching his first major league win. We caught up with him the next day, and he talked about what it felt like after the final out was recorded and the win was official. I just brought a big smile to my face. I mean, just getting that first one out of the way felt so good. I mean, my teammates behind me played a hell of a game, and it was just really good to get that out of the way. You've had some good moments this season, uh, going back to spring training and, and uh, some good starts here the first time around. What was different, though, last night that really allowed you to, to see it through deep into the game? Uh, I think just me and Z were able to work together really well, you know, keep the other team really off balance. I mean, try to stay away from hard contact and too many walks or anything like that, and it paid off. I know sometimes uh, when you're trying to work, 
multiple different pitches and, and have them working together, it's difficult. Um, but it seemed like all of your pitches were working last night. When did you start to realize that? Uh, I mean, honestly, I don't. My changeup is, you know, usually my best pitch. And really, I kept pulling it glove side. So I mean, the slider and the fastball and the cutter were feeling pretty good. But if I can get all four or five of them lined up, it's it's a really nice day. And you mentioned um, short notice. Uh, you didn't find out till a, a little while before that you were going to be pitching yesterday. Um, can that be a good thing sometimes? Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm not thinking about it all week. I'm just thinking about it the day before. So, uh, you know. I guess it's better sometimes just to act quick instead of you know sit around waiting for it. Hunter, you look at uh, at how you progress this season, and, and you face a White Sox team last night that uh, gave you a hard time last year. But Carl Willis was saying before the game that the work you put in in the off season really showed when you showed up to spring training. What were some of the specific things that, that you were able to learn from based on last year that, that really have taken hold this season? Uh, I mean, I'd say more of the growing was mental side, you know, kind of feeling like you belong here more and and then it was just coming down to consistency with each pitch and being able to put it where I want it more. And I'm sure it's never easy to, to go up and back between the major leagues and the minor leagues but what have you been able to do in that time at Columbus that, that's been helpful coming back here? It's definitely a stressful moment sometimes but it's it's good to take a step back and just look at you know what you got to work on and then just try and improve every little step you can. All right, the, uh, probably the most important question, where's the hair? What happened to the hair? <laughs> Why the decision to, to go with the cut, and uh, how's it working out for you? It's working out so far. Can't complain. It was just uh, needed a change. Uh, so I can't complain. I kind of miss it, kind of don't. It's a little bit easier, so it is what it is, I guess. What did the floor of the barbershop look like when it was all done? Oh, it was a mess. <laughs> it looked like a jungle for sure. And uh, can you share what happened inside once uh, once the final out was recorded and, and they realized it was your first major league win? Oh, yeah, I got a really nice cold beer shower, that's for sure. I was freezing. All part of a first major league win. And, uh, Hunter, thanks for coming by. Appreciate it. Thank you. And starting pitcher Hunter Gaddis, who has gotten another opportunity here in the major league, still very young in his career, but he gets that first major league win out of the way. Another young player very early in his major league career is Gabriel Arias, a shortstop by trade and a very good one, but to get at bats on this club, he's had to move around a bunch, and that means playing third, second, first base, and also right field. We caught up with him earlier this week with translation help from Augie Rivero, and Gabriel said after a slow start, he's been swinging the bat well the last couple of weeks due to a couple of key factors. I think the comfort has come from not stopping my work and you know keep my confidence up and not putting my head down. So knowing that my work is going to give the result, I think that's what has enabled me to turn the, the thing around. We've seen some really good things each spring training the last three years now. Uh, what is so different, though, about major league pitching during the regular season from what you've seen? It seems like in the season they tr turn to make all the adjustments and they, they work during the spring training. You know, the spring training seems that they just you know try to get their pitches in and they don't care too much of if you get a good AB or the hit or double or triple. So I feel during the season they locked it in and they try to make the adjustment to get you out. And even though you started slow, and I know the, the playing time was sporadic, it seems like Terry Francona has had unwavering support for you and, and it believes in what you could be. Um, how important has that been to you? 
No sabes, yo super agradecido también por eso porque Yeah, super thankful for the opportunity, you know. I just continue being thankful to him for that opportunity and finding ways how to get me on the light now, but for me most importantly is not to take the foot off the gas, you know. I gotta keep the intensity, keep the work because the moment you don't you distract yourself, you're not in the lineup anymore. So I'm super thankful for the opportunity, but I know I keep I gotta keep working. Gabriel, you're a shortstop, but you played everywhere it seems except catching um, on this year's team and how long has it taken you to to get comfortable at different spots aside from your normal position I think it comes down to the confidence of myself and I think that confidence comes from all the goals that I set up myself during the year to, to be able to be here and help the team and I think you know playing shortstop that is in theory one of the most difficult positions in a way enables you to, to be able to play the other positions so I think in the outfield the most difficult thing are the line drive that comes right at you so luckily they haven't hit any like that at me yet but all in that I feel like I've been able to just put my confidence in what I'm doing and trying to help the team so how many gloves are you carrying right now? I always bring the three gloves with me to the dugout, like the infielder, the first base, and the outfielder, because as, as you've seen, there are times that I start in one position and in the other, or maybe I'm not playing, and late in the game I end up in a different position, so I always bring those three gloves with me. And you do get that chance every now and again to play shortstop. We see the big arm and, and the good range. How much do you enjoy that part of it, being, being able to play there every now and again? Who knows down the line, but at least for now, every once in a while. I mean, in reality, I'm just really happy every time I get that chance to play that position. That's my natural position, what the one that I enjoy kind of like the most in a way. So I'm really thankful every time they consider me to play short. So I don't know what the future holds for, for me or for whoever's going to hold that position, but I'm really excited every time I get the chance to play shortstop. And team-wise, I know it's been a, a struggle to get consistent um, in terms of wins and losses. What are you seeing, though, that's encouraging that, that could lead to some good stretches here soon? I think we talk about that in the clubhouse. The key is to stay positive. Right? Keep, keep doing our thing and stay positive because this is baseball. You're going to get the bad straights, but also the good ones. And we're going to keep remaining positive. So whenever the good positive straights come, we're able to be ready for that. Gabriel, gracias. Thank you. Augie, thank you. Thank you, guys. That's Gabriel Arias, along with translation help from Augie Rivero, and uh, certainly he seems poised to, to really see his major league career take off. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come after this. The wind and pitch. Swung and grounded to short. Easy play for <laughs> Arias. It's just fun. You, just, you want to stop talking and watch him throw the ball. Gabriel Arias showing off that cannon arm. I mean, that ball has such life to it, and he gets there in a hurry. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. In the minor leagues, Single A Lynchburg is the first full-season affiliate of minor league baseball in the Guardians farm system. Rob Serfolio is the director of player development for Cleveland, and we caught up with him earlier this week, and he talked about some of the challenges players face in that first full season of professional baseball. Yeah, it's, it is such a unique level with players really getting their first taste at what affiliate baseball on the pro on the pro side looks like. So, you know, you look at the composition of our team, 
we have a lot of young players who I think, you know, Rosa, we talked about this a lot. We're young at nearly every level, but particularly at this spot, a ton of guys making their, their debuts at the affiliate level. So whether it was players that we've signed internationally the last couple of years that have played in the DSL and have played rookie ball, or if it's some of the guys we took from last year's draft class that are kind of really getting their first taste of consistent game action as a pro. So you have all these different, uh, these different backgrounds coming together, but the one commonality between all of them is they don't have a ton of uh, games under their belt. So this level just is, is such a unique and, and cool learning level for the entire group. And you get to see guys under the, the constraints that is a, a full season in minor league baseball and some of the pressures that come with that, some of just the adjustment to the lifestyle with travel and six game series. So it ends up being a really informative uh, season for a lot of these guys to get that first year of experience under their belt and to really learn what it's like to to be a professional play every day go through that grind physically mentally um, and so you know it's a it's a level where we like to have a lot of our coordinators and traveling staff in there to to support these young guys as they're riding that first roller coaster trip um, and and our staff as well you know we have we have a handful of young staff in there so it's a it's a unique level that presents a lot of cool challenges for us. And, and we will circle back later in the season when they have 100 games under their belt and, and they're in uncharted <laughs> waters to, to yeah. see how that's going. Uh, you mentioned staff-wise. Uh, Jordan Smith is um, was an outfielder that we used to see in spring training as he was knocking on the door um, of the major leagues as a player and uh, now in player development. And uh, how's he faring in his first full-season assignment as a manager? Yeah, you know, we're lucky to have Smitty in, on our team. And, um, you know, he got his first rep at, at the manager job last year, you know, just like we talked about with this player group, he was, he was with a lot of them in Arizona last year as part of our rookie ball group and, and made the transition to, to getting his first taste now as a manager. And I think his experience as a player um, is a huge competitive advantage, not only for him, but just for our organization that he has lived the life knows what to expect, can foresee some of the challenges. And now he's getting a chance to, to lead a group of staff uh, as, as well as the players. So, you know, he's, a, like I said, we're lucky to have him on our squad just from his knowledge of the game, his experience as a player. And I know he's really enjoyed getting his hands dirty with these young guys out of the gate. We're joined by Rob Serfolio talking single-A Lynchburg. Let's get to some players now, and we'll start on the position player side. And uh, – you have a position player, uh, Garrett Litscomb, uh, Lipscomb, who looks like an on-base machine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fill us in on uh, <laughs> what he's been doing to, to really have some good success. Yeah, so Guy Lipscomb, outfielder that we took last year out of Belmont University in, uh, in the Tennessee area, and he can really run. We're talking about a good athlete here. I think he's top five in maybe all of baseball or at least leading that league in stolen bases um, a guy that can really swing it from the left side, a lot of line drives, good contact skills, knows the zone. Um, you know, so, so it's been exciting for us to, to see him. He, he wasn't in game action last year coming out of the draft. So this is really the first, the first time we've seen him, you know, in extended game outings over 150 plate appearances. And, and he's really held his own out of the gate playing, you know, pretty good center field defense and bouncing around playing all over the place. And, you know, do, doing some of the things that we expected to see at him from the draft last year. And when you talk about on base, 
Uh, maybe no one better right now than Nate Furman, not only at Lynchburg, but correct. in the system. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is correct. Uh, so uh, tell us about Nate and, and what he's done to, to really put his name on the map. Yes, you know, somewhat similar to Guy, and you just look at their overall profile. Like, again, it really knows the strike zone, just top-level bat-to-ball skills. I think he's, you know, really near the the top of the ranks, you know, putting up some some Will Brennan, Stephen Kwan-type strikeout rates, um, and just a guy that hits a ton of line drives and puts the ball in play at productive angles. So, you know, for him, he's a little bit of a smaller guy, plays second base on the infield, we're exposing him to third a little bit, trying to make sure that he has some versatility to to really impact the lineup on defense. And then, you know, of course, trying to amplify what he does well and move the needle on some of the areas of the game on the impact quality side of things that, you know, we want to see him grow over time. So, you know, he is an incredible worker, great teammate, you know, really kind of embodies a lot of just the the grit principles that we like to talk about here from an on and off field side of things. And, uh, it's been fun to watch Nate go out there and, and you know, really kind of tear up uh, a lot of the Carolina League so far. And uh, let's stay on the position player front. Willie Antunez looks like he's off to a nice start. And, and what's he doing so far? He is. You know, this is a, a young kid that he got a little taste of, of Lynchburg last year at the end of the season, performed really well uh, in Arizona rookie ball for us. So we wanted to get him some exposure to that level at the end of last season. And, and he kind of picked right up where he left off. You know, this is a guy that can hit the ball for some power impacts the baseball, you know, can play all over the place in the outfield, primarily center field, right fielder, but can run. Um, so, you know, this is an exciting young guy that, you know, maybe is a little under the radar, you know, given a lot of the prospects we have in our organization, but he does a lot of things well for a, for a 21 year old on offense. And, uh, he just kind of continues to to get better and better and, and learn what it's like to to be a professional, like we talked about at the beginning of just the ebbs and the flows on the performance side of things, you know, how to to keep your body healthy and still improving physically, you know, that that first opportunity to both play five, six games a week, but also continue to work on your body and, and get stronger is uh, has been a really good experience for him so far. And uh, we'll head to the pitching side. And before we get into specific players or pitchers who are rolling right now, uh, Rob, I know, gosh, pitching, it seems so dependent on injuries for players to make progress. And, and it's a fact of right. life with pitchers. You're going to have them. It seems like the, the bug has caught Lynchburg pretty hard here early. Yeah, a little bit. You know, this is uh, what we try and avoid to the best of our ability every year. And you know, I think we've done a pretty good job of that in general, but, you know, unfortunate to to lose a couple guys from last year's draft class that, you know, we, we were expecting to go out there and, and get a taste of, of full season baseball. And, and, you know, hopefully we were expecting them to perform pretty well as well. So, you know, that always hurts losing two talented guys like Justin Campbell, Dylan DeLucia, a couple college arms that we thought could be in that starting rotation coming into spring training and have unfortunately both of them kind of run into a little bit of the, the injury bug. And, you know, as a result, haven't had a chance yet to, to get out there and showcase what they can do. Um, but I know, you know, our, I put our medical group up against any other group in baseball and, you know, they're going to have those guys, those guys ready as their bodies, you know, willing and able to get them back out there and, and handle some, some competition. So, you know, two guys that we're continued to to be excited about having in our organization and, you know, maybe just off to an unfortunate start. But, 
you know, we, we certainly haven't, uh, haven't given up any hope with what those guys can do and can be in the future. Now, a pitcher who is off to a good start and healthy is Parker Messick, a lefty out of Florida State. And, uh, gosh, Rob, it sounds like he, he fits that profile that we've seen have good success all the way up into the major leagues, and that's a, a good college pitcher who throws strikes. And, and what are you seeing from him so far? Yeah, we you know we hope so. To your point, this is a guy that really uh, was pretty dominant at the at the college level, and, and obviously a good school, good conference in Florida State, and really fills up the zone. Knows how to pitch, has a little bit of moxie, just hard worker. Um, has really improved physically since we got him. You know, last year out of the draft. I think he threw like close to 130 innings. You, you, you'd need to cross check me on, on my memory there, but you know, you stack up what he did in college relative to some of our other starters in the minor leagues. Like he would have thrown more innings than most of our guys across pro ball. Um, so we wanted to be really smart about him and we got him, make sure physically he had some time to, to recover and put his best forward foot forward coming into this year. Um, and, you know, credit to Parker, he, he worked his tail off in the offseason, really attacked some of the, the physical objectives we outlined for him through, through the draft process and just getting to know him early last fall and came into spring training in great shape. Um, you know, he's really attacked the zone and just knows how to pitch, like in, inside, outside, up, down. Like he can, he can really locate all of his stuff. And, and as a result, I think, you know, he's been able to get off to a good start here with the Hillcats and, you know, a guy that we're hoping to continue to, to push even further and, and, you know, kind of help re- refine some of his stuff and, and just continue to uptick just his overall quality of what he can do on the bump. Well, Rob, good stuff on the update from uh, Lynchburg, the Hillcats in the single A Carolina league. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks. Sounds like a plan, Rosie. Thank you for having me. That's Rob Serfolio, the director of player development for the guardians talking single A Lynchburg, the very, bottom of the minor league ladder in terms of full season affiliates and again we'll circle back with Rob later in the season to see how some of those young players are faring holding up to the day-to-day that is professional baseball stay with us we'll have our final segment after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians radio network at Progressive, we know how much you love your recreational vehicles, so we decided to record this commercial in an RV. With a family on vacation. Mom, who are these people? Oh, that's Flo and Jamie. They're recording a commercial, sweetie. Don't they do that in the studio? Uh, normally. Enough. But we wanted to feature a family who bundled their home and RV and saved with Progressive. Um, yeah, it looks like you're all out of chips. Okay, I think we'll just drop you off at the next gas station. Bundle your home and other vehicles with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you as we join you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Thanks so much for joining us this week and a regular guest on our show. We always enjoy these. Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio and his features at the ballpark. And here it is, another edition of Bobby D at the ballpark. The perfectly manicured field, the unmistakable aroma of a ballpark hot dog, and the electricity celebrating another victory. This is At the Ballpark with Bobby D. The ballpark is home to many stories, many memorable moments, and colorful personalities. Joining me now at the ballpark, 
is 30-year veteran of the organization, a man behind the scenes, Frank Mancini, who has spent those three decades working in the clubhouse closely with our players. Frank, thanks for joining me. Bobby D., thanks for having me. This is an incredible honor. Anything that has to do with the tribe or the Guardians, especially coming from you because you're the senior member here, <laughs> it is an honor for me. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to talk two things inside the clubhouse, baseballs and bats. Two of my favorite things. Let's talk baseballs first. All I saw you do this spring training was rub down baseballs uh, with a special mud that is provided by Major League Baseball. How are your hands feeling? <laughs> I make sure I use gloves when I'm doing it because it takes forever to get that out of your underneath your nails and the cracks of your hands. No, my hands are fine. How many dozen did you rub up? I usually did two cases a day. So let's see, there is uh, 72 uh, balls in a case, so about 144 a day, just okay. for spring training. And how many weeks? Well, I would do it every day. We had 15 games, so I try to get 30 cases done for spring. Yeah. Every year I do it in spring training. And that's strictly to get the sheen off the ball? Correct, to make the ball a little tackier for the guys to grip. Otherwise, they have a hard time gripping it, especially on breaking pitches. The most important aspect, though, is 2020. You were in charge of rubbing up the balls, and we had a certain pitcher win the Cy Young Award, so he was tossing the baseballs that you uh, played around with. Yeah, that was my one claim to fame, I guess, is that the one year they asked me to uh, assist in the umpire's room, and because I'd done the spring training baseball for so many years, they asked me if I'd do it for the regular season. And during COVID, they needed someone to do it. So I volunteered to do it, and yeah, I was doing sometimes three cases a day because umpires or quirky pitchers would be throwing balls out left and right. The bat boy had to use gloves on his hands, so that added to the workload. And yeah, the, my claim to fame is the one year I did it, uh, Shane Bieber won the signing Award, so I've got that to put on my tombstone someday. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you Thank for you. doing that, and I'm sure Shane thanked you as well. Now let's shift to bats. Sure. Players treat their bats like they are absolute treasure. Still do. It's changed over the years. Uh, some of it is just out of the differences in bats depending on the feel. Others, guys are looking for an edge. So, yeah, there's, there's multiple ways that it's changed, and I could speak for hours on it, but we only have a few minutes. Yeah, I'll start. Uh, I was just on the phone uh, uh, about a week ago with Rocky Calavita. Wow. Always a treat to, uh, to chat with Rocky, and, and he told me a story about how he cared for his bats. When he was with the Indianapolis Indians in AAA, and they would go to Louisville, he'd always stop in the Louisville Slugger what Factory. Place? And that there was an Italian man, uh, craftsman. Yes, on the on the lathe making bats, and he would make Rocky's bats, and he wanted wide grain bats. Correct. So when he would send the dozen, especially when he made it to Cleveland, and in the equipment room at Cleveland Stadium, it was a cement floor. That's right. So he would hold out his bat, holding the handle with the barrel closer to the floor, and he would drop it. According to the sound of the bat hitting the cement and how high it bounced determined whether that was a gamer or not. No. So power hitters easily treated their bats with so much care and pride. No question. Tell me it. about Albert Bell. Well, I mean, he's a guy, again, it, it, to me it's a lot of power hitters who treated their Jimmy Tomey, treated their bats with special care. No question about it. Uh, Albert was the most particular of all. I mean, each guy, whether it was Kenny Lofton, 
who wanted his handle a particular way, so it was easier for him to flick his wrist because he was more of a slap hitter. Jim Tomey, who had our former trainer, uh, Jimmy Warfield, after he got nailed in the hand one time on a pitch, he created this spongy grip for him at the end. It was kind of like a triangle uh, that allowed Jimmy, even after his wrist healed up, to grip the bat securely, and he just took off home run-wise after that. And then there was Albert. Albert and I would play golf together, and one time he got from Louisville Slugger bats that the handles were too thick. He said, Frank, you do me a favor and shave this down a little bit. So I spent a few minutes shaving it down. He went out and destroyed the ball. <laughs> and he goes, Frank, boy, that felt great. Why do you think that was? I said, well, you and I go golfing together. You see with a thin handle the whip that you get. So it only makes sense that on a bat the same thing's going to happen. He goes, yeah, shave it down some more. Well, that was the year he hit 50 home, home runs. runs. <laughs> so I would shave it down, and it would take me two to three hours per bat to get it exactly. Her bat. And what would you shave it with? uh, Sandpaper and these uh, wood craftsman tools that uh, had uh, steel blades at the end that I would just do it patiently because I didn't want to lose the roundness of the bat. And then he liked his handle where when he uh, gripped the bat at the end, it was firm and secure, so he got more leverage. Where other guys, like I said with Kenny, he had no knob on it. Well, Albert wanted that to stick knob. But I would shave his bat so thin that they would be the same thickness as a golf club. I've never seen another player, player like that ever. Did he ever crack or he did snap one time? A bat? That's did another story. Yeah, one time on he a check swing. He got upset, uh, so he <laughs> threw his bat. He put a big nick in the bat. He says, "Frank, you're gonna get this nick out quick." Well, I only had three innings to get it done, so I'm shaving. I'm shaving. I got the nick out as best as I could. Well, in the middle of his swing, he's about to launch one. The bat went. <laughs> keeled over on me couldn't even complete the swing so that's the only time it ever happened yeah and i'm sure he took it well he did not take it well i got blamed for that one well can't thank you enough for all the hard work you've put in it's an honor sir here's hoping you enjoyed today's visit with frank mancini we look forward to sharing more stories at the ballpark on the cleveland clinic guardians radio network that's bobby d at the ballpark and that's going to do it for this edition of Guardians Weekly. Thanks, as always, to Brian Motze for helping to put together our show each week. Until next time, when we join you from Minneapolis, the Guardians on the road next weekend, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance. 